Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wrestling's second favorite, Barry. Hey, I'm ready. Right foot back. <laughs> Begins with a U. It ends with an A. to the Cultaholic Classic Raw review as the other Cultaholic lads are preparing for double or nothing. We are here via our Ica Pro Power DeLorean during the new generation era where nothing is quite literally double. And who be we? I be fake Geordie, radio presenter without portfolio, former Cultaholic heavyweight champion, Tom Campbell, proprietor of Isolation Station 24601, and I am here via the power of fiber optic broadband with the bear in the big blue bar cage, the head pen of Cultaholic, the man who, if there was a short run of pencils in the United States as there was with toilet paper and essentials uh, during the start of the quarantine period, during the start of the pandemic, wouldn't make a difference to his life at all because he uses a pen. He gets it right every time. He is Justin Henry and he is out of Africa. Wasn't that a movie? <laughs> it was a movie. <laughs> As I was making myself a drink before this what? podcast started, I just thought, well, it'd be funny if I just said he's out of Africa to see if you notice. <laughs> wait, wait, don't tell me. Who was, the, who was the actress in that? Jeez, what was... I knew she was in Romancing the Stone. What was her name? Oh, okay. Let's play the game. And it says, it's time for our, our relatable audience game. Name the actress from out of Africa. Right, okay. Um, I'm going to give you some clues. Um, and Okay, a disorder a disorder around... Uh, your... Never mind. Never mind, never mind, never mind. You know, I, I realized it's Meryl Streep. I was thinking of somebody else. Oh, fair enough. I was going to say a disorder around your throat is called a what throat? And you were going to go strap street barrel street. No, I was going to go Kat- Kathleen Turner throat. <laughs> I was going to go Samantha. I've never... Samantha bronchitis. <laughs> I've never heard of such a thing. <laughs> How are you oh, doing, you... Justin Henry? Are you good? I'm doing quite well. I'm just looking forward to double or nothing at this point. Yeah, which is at time of record. Well, obviously, time of recording is the day before, but at the time you are listening to this, it is mere hours away. I'm really excited because I don't, I don't watch as much AEW as I should because my job at Cultaholic is I do Raw graded, I do NXT graded, so I don't always have the time to watch the entirety of episodes of Dynamite. But Saturday night at midnight, I'm blocking out, I'm watching Double or Nothing, 
I'm really up for it. I'm really up for it. It should be a really fun show. Same here, and I don't know if you saw my tweet that I put out on Thursday night, but I put out a very fascinating statistic that kind of surprised me. This will only be the second time, not counting Royal Rumble matches, that Jericho and Matt Hardy are in the same pay-per-view match. Wow, really? Yep. Now, without looking for the tweet, without looking for the tweet, can, can you name what year the first time took place? Um, 1999. You're kind of close. 2001. Oh, okay. <clears throat> it was the tag team turmoil match that Jericho and Benoit won in order to face um, Austin and Hunter the next night on Raw. This, this would have been Judgment Day 01. And Jericho and Matt weren't even in the same ring together. Oh, gosh, they've just avoided each other. Star-crossed lovers eventually find each other. Pretty much. The Hardys got eliminated by X-Factor before, <laughs> before succumbing to Jericho and Benoit. I'm going to I'm gonna uh, give an unpopular wrestling opinion here. I loved their theme music. X-Factor? I love it, too. Yeah, Uncle Cracker. I got everything I ever wanted, and I'll never give that back. I've changed my mind. I don't like it. You basically... <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I'm kidding. I love it even more now. There's three things that we need to celebrate today. So one is uh, Double or Nothing, which is in a couple of hours' time, at time of listening to this. Today is my one-year anniversary of doing on-screen stuff at Cultaholic, but the true blue fans of Cultaholic will know, but, but the true fans will know that it's longer than that because me and you have been crushing this for almost a, almost 100 weeks now. Take that, Bischoff. Exactly, Bischoff. This has nearly lasted as long as your reign. But it's also, more importantly than anything else, it is John Eiley's birthday today. Photoshop John, one year older. Jo uh, Justin, would you like to sing happy birthday to John Eiley? Okay. One, two, a one, two, three. Happy, happy birthday, birthday to you. <laughs> Why are you going so slow, man? <laughs> I feel like you're lagging intentionally. Because there's a delay. <laughs> and it's like I'm, it's like I'm, I'm socially distancing from your singing. <laughs> well, after the X Factor song, I can't blame you. <laughs> you know what? Bugger it, John. Happy birthday, mate. You're a legend. Thank you very much for bringing joy into our worlds. John, we tried our best. Happy birthday. Thanks for all the photoshops. You are the man. John, could you please Photoshop your, uh, us bringing you loads of really expensive gifts? You could show us uh, knocking someone over and stealing it from them. It doesn't matter who. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, you can do that. But no, but please take time to wish at John Eiley on Twitter a very happy birthday. Us glorified grave robbers. <laughs> we really are, aren't we? Uh, but John, you're a legend. Happy birthday to you, matey. Uh, before we, let's, we'll get into the rigors of this week's show in just a moment. But where and when are we this week, Justin Henry? Well, just part two of a TV taping. It is... Monday, October the 3rd of 1994. This was taped one week earlier. It is Utica, New York at the was it Memorial Hall, Convention Hall, something or other. Before we get into, before we oh, get you. into the show, right? What we, what we like to do uh, is just give you a little bit of a, 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 a look around the houses 
of the week in wrestling in this particular year, thanks to the power of the Wrestling Observer from Dave Meltzer. So I've been onto the archives and got a few juicy highlights from this particular week in professional wrestling. Uh, WCW taped a whole bunch of Saturday night shows just a few days before this week's episode of Monday Night Raw. Uh, the Warlord, Sergeant Slaughter and Tito Santana were all backstage looking for work. Uh, Warlord was telling everyone he was off the steroids for the past 18 months, but people felt like he was insulting their intelligence. That was the big takeaway, and and, uh, and Meltzer talked a bit about that. But there was one line in this, this one sort of throwaway line from the tapings that uh, has a lot of historical significance, because he just writes in amongst this, in lesser news, he didn't put in lesser news, I've written that. Um, <laughs> John Paul Levesque debuted wearing a Louis XIV outfit. I say, wonder if this has future implications. I wonder if it will. This is the. This is the. Uh, this could potentially be the man that takes over wrestling. But who knows? Uh, also, in this particular week, Todd Pettingill, uh, who isn't on Raw this week, uh, sadly, uh, or yes. not so much. <laughs> Uh, he's uh, when he's not on the WWF shows, he is the morning DJ on W O L D D D. No, he's the morning DJ mm. on New York's WPLJ, along with Scott Shannon, uh, Scott and Todd uh, made a big mm. name for themselves over there. He has been named; they've been named as Billboard magazine's top radio personalities of the year. Well done to Scott and Todd. That was one hell of a bribe. <laughs> he was. In terms of uh, the other things in the wrestling world, Bobby Heenan underwent neck surgery just a couple of days before this. Isn't expected to miss much, if any, TV spots. Uh, I'm not quite sure why he was having neck surgery. I don't know whether you could know any more about this, Justin Henry. Well, he he had a broken neck for many, many years, actually, from just his time as a manager slash wrestler, just taking bumps. And by 1991, he was in such pain, that's why he retired full-time as a manager to become a commentator on the regular, which is why... Uh, he, he wasn't managing Flair. He wanted to, but he just he, he couldn't physically do it anymore. And it just took a while to have the surgery because he was just all that wear and tear over the years. He just wore his neck down to the point where it was either cracked or just outright broken. I have some good news for a recurring guest on the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review, Sidney Sumowitz. Uh, Oscar was off the road this week, so Mabel did the rapping himself. It appears that Mo yeah. is gone as well. Well, it, <laughs> spoiler alert, uh, Mo, Mo is not gone. He shall return in a few months. But I like how Sydney's new gimmick now that we've uh, fir fir firmly pushed upon her is that she's the biggest hater of men on a mission on planet Earth. <laughs> Someone has to be. I guess. Uh, ECW held a show two days before this at the ECW Arena. Some interesting uh, players in this particular one. We saw Cactus Jack and Mikey Whipwreck uh, beat the public enemy to retain the tag team titles. It was a match that, were ha that fought all over the building. It was quite the spectacle. Uh, we saw Shane Douglas retain his ECW title, beating Two Cold Scorpio. Who ran in to attack Two Cold Scorpio, Justin Henry? We'll see if um, if they're helping Shane Douglas. I'm going to take a wild guess and say it was Dean Malenko. It's good, but it's not the right answer. Um, you uh, you chronicled this man's career just a couple of days ago. It was Matt Osborne uh, as Born oh. Again. Oh wow! I was thinking maybe this started the triple threat, but then I realized it might happen for a little while longer. But yes, uh, Matt Bourne the original and therefore best Doink the Clown, which I'm sure I'm sure you'll agree with. Mm -hmm. 
Um, yes, he he very briefly had a run in ECW at this point where he played a doink facsimile called Born Again, where he wore the bodysuit and someone to make up around one eye, like he was a dog from the Little Rascals. But the thing was, he had like a split personality and he hated the doink gimmick. And after his matches, he would put some 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 of the clown accessories on his on his unconscious opponent as a way of trying to humiliate them. His way of to of taking out his anger toward that gimmick on his opponents, you know, angry at Vince for making him into a cartoon character and, and all that sort of uh, bitterness. But it just didn't last, and he was gone from the company not long after. And also from that ECW taping, uh, Chris Benoit upset Sabu when the referee stopped the match because Sabu was coughing up blood. This was the planned finish, although Sabu was in a bad way at this point. The, the significance of this is that this actually predates what would happen mm-hmm. between Benoit and Sabu by a good few months, or at least a month. Oh, yes. I, I can't remember if that was November to remember or holiday hell, but it was one of the two shows by the end of the year when Benoit... Uh, earned his crippler nickname in an unintentional fashion. It was indeed. Uh, November to remember, it was indeed. Uh, so you, uh, I'll give you a That's right. Uh, finally, on this one, uh, fun bit of news from The Observer. Honky Tonk Man uh, said that he's been working as a PE coach for kindergarten through eighth grade over the past few years, and he was wearing his hair differently at school, so none of the students knew that Coach Farris was the Honky Tonk Man. <laughs> I can't imagine Honky as a gym teacher. I just can't. No. If only there was somebody that could bring that image to life in our mind's eye. Birthday boy. Birth boy. Get on it. <laughs> Birth boy sounds worse. Birth... Sounds like some sort of like Hellboy type character. Birth boy. John, once you've done Honky Top Man as a gym teacher, can you do Birth boy? <laughs> as a just... your superhero identity. It, it's just John looking like Gollum, but covering him like after birth. <laughs> the smell of candles. The earth is rank with it. I smell like angel cake. Um, <laughs> and gifts I don't want. <laughs> oh, we're off to a river and start this week. Oh, we're off to the best start this week. So that is your wrestling world for this week. I now hand over... Uh, to Justin Henry, who is going to talk us through this week's episode of Monday Night Raw. I'll just do my best. We got footage from King's Court last week with uh, Bulldog shouting a lot. They did um, well to trim this down, to be fair. Oh, yes, we had that. They, they left in the good parts of this, the three-second video. Um, I did think it was interesting that on our No Way Out podcast that we did with uh, our good friend Matthew Gregg of Botchamania, he brought the concept of Oates and Garfunkel, i.e. the lesser half of two great teams or combinations. We are seeing Oates and Garfunkel here with the Bulldog and Neidhart. Mm-hmm. Still there, Tom? Yeah, I'm still here. I'm, just, I'm listening to you intently. Just make sure you didn't fall asleep. I know it's... Uh, <laughs> oh, no, I, no, I don't want to fall asleep until the match. <laughs> <laughs> um, which we'll get to. So then we show footage from earlier tonight, also known as seven days ago, when Nightheart and Owen pull up and just leave their car out in the middle of the parking lot. <laughs> I don't think they have valets in Utica. Why is Jim Nightheart wearing sunglasses when it's overcast? <laughs> because he wears his because he wears his sunglasses at night so he can so he can nice. watch you live and weave weave and breathe your storylines. <laughs> so 
Keep mind, Owen's still wearing Brett's shades. I'll be up over his hair. So, he, so the obsession over Brett continues. Bulldog yells, or, or sorry, Nightheart yells at about, about let the games begin in his usual non-sequitur anvil way. Owen informs Bulldog that he's a mutt dog anyway as he walks off camera. <laughs> this is quite a week to be discussing Owen after a uh, dark side of the ring. Oh gosh, yeah, it is. It really is. Um, if you haven't watched it, I warn you, it's a it's a rough watch. To say it best. Mm-hmm. I knew pretty much 90% of the stuff that was in that documentary already, but just to watch it all put in that kind of context, it's both heartbreaking and infuriating. Well, more or less alternately so, and at times um, overlapping each other. Mm. But yes, it, 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 it is highly recommended, and if you're one of the people out there who believes that Owen Hart should be in the W Hall of Fame, I think watching this will change your mind. Not so much that he doesn't deserve, deserve to be acknowledged, because he does deserve to be acknowledged, but the reasoning for why he shouldn't be makes all the sense in the world. So we have plugged this week's show. We have uh, Bob back on the action with that great promo shot of him screaming like he's the guy from that. Is that a Van Gogh painting where the guy has his hands on his face and is screaming? Uh, the screamer, Ed, whatever. It's Edvard Munch, the scream. You're right. You're right. My, I, I don't know my artist, so it's thank fine. you for that. It's fine. classic painting more. review has been postponed until we know more about art. <laughs> John, fire up the palette. <laughs> if anyone is going to do a cultaholic classic painting review, it's going to be John Eiley. We just review pieces of modern art or, or pieces of historical art. And, and then John yells, Justin, when he wants me to write a blurb about a painting. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> See, it's the universe. I get it. Um, Doink is in action. We talk about Matt Bourne. Now we got to watch poor Ray Apollo live out Vince's dream of a happy clown. <laughs> it's not Ray Apollo's fault. I, I blame Ray Apollo. <laughs> don't, don't do that. He was, the worst thing he ever did was play an apartheid at Stark in 90. <laughs> never, never really that happens. Look it up. I believe it. In, incidentally, on the subject of... Um, don't the clown uh, if you haven't done so already check out uh, the the, the, the sensational uh, remembering don't the clown video on our YouTube channel that was excellent work sir yes great work from uh, Jack King as always on the uh, on the voiceover and I want to say I don't know for sure I, sh- I should know this because I should be more responsible than this I think it was our good friend Owen Walson on the edit I think he usually does I think he usually does the remembering so Unless there's a swerve thrown on there somewhere, I believe he did it. Big love. Great job from both. Great job from everybody. It was brilliant. Really enjoyed it. If you haven't done so already. What's nice is because, more so than ever, because we are so far, because we're all working separately. I mean, obviously, Justin, that's, you know, your your situation's the same. But for all of us, we're working separately. So we don't always Mm. sort of cross over with what projects we're working on. So that was a nice surprise for me when I thought, oh, the clown video has been done. I didn't. I didn't spot that as a thing. I've not been paying attention. So as a and this is it. As a fan, I've always been, I've always been a fan of Cultaholic. So I still get that buzz of oh, they put a video up, and I enjoyed watching it. I'm I'm the same way. Even though I write a lot of them, and it's, it's like let's see let's see what words they mispronounce this week. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, they do get some wrong, but usually I, I laugh more than anything. <laughs> but uh, yes, we have Doink in action. We have the women's tag match: Lundra Blaze and Heidi Lee Morgan versus Bull Nakano and Linda Vashon, also known as the entire women's division. That is basically the entire division in one match, isn't it? 
and Yokozuna will be on the King's Court for what I'm sure will be a riveting interview. <laughs> I mean, speaking of riveting, we start with Oates versus Garfunkel, Baby Boy Smith versus Jim the Anvil Neidhart. <laughs> Oates versus Garfunkel. <laughs> did we use now, that analogy recently? We did, didn't we, on the on the No Way Out podcast? There was an Oates Garfunkel reference. Yeah. Yes, we did, and that's the first thing I thought of when I saw this match was <laughs> I watched Brett versus Dynamite. I watched your Stampede matches. I watched that great Capital Center match they had in '85 for WWF. Now we get to watch your partners go at it. <laughs> Nine years later. Wow! Thanks. Appreciate it. Now to be fair, this was not absolutely terrible. This was just merely semi bad. Oh, it was. Uh, it was... But before we actually get into it, I have to say I was. We've joked about this how like to cross the streams with the Coltonic Classic Smackdown review. Uh, Bulldog has just left the timeline for the Smackdown review, and he has been uh, a bit of a figure of fun for us because he just doesn't give a, he didn't give a toss in his final run in WWF, like coming out in dirty jeans, just looked like he wanted to be anywhere but there. And when he turned up in '94, I was like, whoa, here we go! I can get out the old Bulldog joke book again after the races we go. But you know what? <laughs> You know what? This is what I realised this week. Regardless of when the bell rings, what happens, he looks like a star here. He looks like he cares. Mm -hmm. He comes out to the ring and he's got flares going off with 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 sound effects added to them, no less. Um, he's got the he's got the tassels going on. He's got the big jacket. He just looks like he looks like a star. He looks like a... But obviously then he wrestles and then he talks and then we know otherwise. But he looks like a star. And he looks like he cares. And I can't get enough of that. Obviously then, as I said, until the bell rings. <laughs> well, it definitely enhances the show just by being here. Bulldog, uh, with the right opponent and in the right air, is capable of great, great things, i.e. Wembley Stadium. Mm -hmm. um, it just appeared that you and Matthew were just watching him in. He was basically a... Um, he was a political hire. And the documentary makes that semi-clear, the, the Owen Dark Side of the Ring, why he was rehired in 99. Gee, I wonder. Mm -hmm. So, that having been said, my bulldog was coming off a severe spinal injury. They left him in like, like a full body cast for a long time, and he, and he should have been nowhere near a wrestling ring at that point. Absolutely not. At, at least here, he's he is muscled to the gills. Gee, I wonder who won. I wonder what the verdict of that July trial was. <laughs> but... At least he's mobile and can still go. Nightheart, not so much. There's a bit of a um, bit of a morbid statistic uh, for this match, which I didn't know whether you picked up on, but uh, I certainly did. What would that be? Everybody but the referee in this match has passed on. Everybody but the referee and mm. one of the commentators. Uh, that's uh, that's yeah. pretty morbid. <laughs> Happy Saturday! Double or nothing in a couple of hours! Keep it tight and bright! Keep it tight and bright, Tom! Keep it tight and bright! You were running the gamut here. Oh, getting, getting in there. Come on! Da, 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 da. Watch some wrestling. So, Owen at ringside doing what he does best, and that's giving us a side to the camera while Nightheart's working. Because that's how Owen's got to carry Nightheart in these matches. He informs us about Bulldog. He's got all the muscles, but he's got no brains. <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't call attention to the muscles in this time period. <laughs> yeah, let's not uh, let's not bring that to one thing. 
to 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 the to the forefront. <laughs> I do like that Nightheart wins the initial test of strength because I mean Nightheart is strong as an ox. That's why he's called the Anvil because mm-hmm. he wants to throw an anvil like twenty yards in a contest, which I can't imagine. Even, I, I can't imagine the strength it takes to do that. Is that really but, where the where the name comes from? Yeah, it was like the Stampede Games up in Calgary one year. He, he it was it was an anvil tossing contest, and either he won or he just threw it like a super long distance to start calling him the anvil after that. Well, there you go. The more you know, I did not know that part. Imagine just throwing an anvil like a shot put and goes like twenty twenty five yards. Imagine this. Try to fathom the strength it takes to do that. That's ridiculous. But, I'm pick, but, but as I'm watching Nightheart take down Bulldog, I'm thinking, when this has of strength, I'm thinking, they have a lot of nerve running these Ico Pro ads, given how one guy is very egg-shaped, and the other guy looks like he's a cartoon superhero. <laughs> and, and he's getting out... I mean, not that, I'm not... I'm not trying to diminish Nightheart at all here, but he does, he does not have the ideal body type that Vince wants of a superstar. And yet, he probably is strong. He's possibly stronger than Bulldog legitimately. It is funny how in this match, one of these wrestlers is convex and one of these wrestlers is concave. Yes. They could probably fit together in a weird way. <laughs> it's like, I always thought it was funny all those years that Vince would just push these muscle-bound guys like he's, he's beefy, he's jack, pal. And yet the world's strongest man, Mark Henry, was very round. Didn't have like a lot of like muscle definition, but he was just so st- insanely strong anyway. Because he just had that farmer strength. He had farmer strength. You know, where you, you're, you're as strong as like, as like just like a, as like a tractor. You're as strong as like any piece of farm equipment, where you just you build your strength by doing work all your life. They call it farmer strength. John. Mark Henry as a tractor. Happy. Birthday. Mark Henry could pipe. Mark Henry could throw a tractor. <laughs> He could pick it up and throw it at your head like Braun Strowman. I don't doubt it. Nor would I want to test him. I'm saying Mark Henry doesn't have the body of like a Paul Orndorff or a Chris Masters or whoever. But yeah, he's he's probably the strongest guy they've ever had in WWE. It's just it's just kind of like how, how Heavens pushes on the cosmetic muscle man look. Yeah, Mark Henry out muscles them all, even though he doesn't have that that same body type. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah, it does. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying. So, uh, Nightheart gets a corner whip at one point, and Bulldog bounces off the opposite buckles, and Savage yells, Where did the ring go? <laughs> it's still there, Savage! You've just blinked! <laughs> just, like, like I, I get what he's going for, but there's an... That's kind of, um... You're really, still, you're really saying a lot about the intelligence of the audience. It's like, Oh, got your nose! <laughs> when, we, when we know you don't. Like, ha-ha, Randy. So Nyhart is using a Cobra Clutch as a rest hold, which really diminishes DiBiase. <laughs> it does! It's, it is it is simple stuff like that, that that does affect a wrestling hold. Well, you see, Tom, it's just DiBiase is such an expert at it that he can use it as a finish, but Nyhart can't quite get it right, which is why for him it's merely a rest hold. Ah! Clever Trevor! That's pretty accurate. Savage takes up for Davey by saying, all he's trying to do is put Alpo on the table for his family. Alpo. If you ever get Harry Smith on Desert Island Graps, you have to ask him what the meals in that house were like. (laughs) If he indeed ever got a milk bone for, uh, 
<laughs> as a treat or whatever. I will. I will certainly ask the question because it, it seems as if that the only thing that David Boy Smith was concerned was feeding David Boy Smith Junior soy or almond milk. <laughs> Why are we eating dog bones, Dad? Because we're bizarre. <laughs> So Savage tries to segue to a Princess Diana story, and Vince cuts him off. When Vince doesn't want to hear about a celebrity story, then it's possible that it must be too risque for uh, these current USA Network standards. I wonder whether it is just that it's because because Savage does this a bit later on in the show, but he's obviously been told shoehorn in topicality, but he puts it in the weirdest places. And there is one moment where he does it later on, where Vince just kind of you can almost hear Vince staring at him to go, what, why why have you said that? Why? Why now? So I wonder whether Vince cuts him off. She's like, "That's shut up. There's nothing. There's nothing to do with it." Or whether Vince. If that's has gone, the case, Vince has a lot of gall. It, it, it could. Oh yeah, exactly, exactly. But um, whether or not potentially Vince says, "Well, don't say Diana when Bulldog's in there because it will confuse the audience." That's possible. It could, it could be that because you know, there can't be two Dianas. Why we'll to change her name to Garrison Smith or something? Exactly. There, there is that. I, I get that vibe from Vince that sometimes there is a, a bit of a disconnect with with meaning. To put it lightly, I can't believe they made Lance Cade. Can't believe they made Lance Cade Garrison Cade because you can't have two lances. <laughs> you can't have two what lances. What the hell did Garrison come from? The Garrison. Presumably. Make him like Luke Cade or something. <laughs> Luke Cade. See, but, Luke, Luke or Cade. No, you said like his middle name should be R and his first name Nick. Nick Arcade. <laughs> Accompanied by his wife, Penny. <laughs> of course, some um, kids that they have no idea what the hell we're talking about. It's their fault for being young. That's right. <laughs> so so we get the heat when um, Bulldog goes over the top rope and Owen pulls the ropes down. There's an obvious edit because Bulldog didn't go over cleanly the first time. So, so Bulldog buggers his leg, and Brett comes out to try and neutralize Owen. So now Bulldog has an injured knee, Tom. He's gone over the ropes. He's His leg is, is effed. He would even tell Brett, Brett, uh, my leg is effed. <laughs> That's how effed his leg is. I'm effed, not again. What does Neidhart do? Works every part of the body other than the leg. <laughs> he puts... He puts the duh in fundamentals. So, so boy, as Nightheart as Nightheart works the coccyx and the ring finger and all that stuff on Davy Boy, while while Bulldog's leg is 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 mangled like he's been in a car wreck, Savage says, and I'm, this is a direct quote: "Where's Bob Backlund's dictionary? I want to look up relentless and see the picture of the anvil." I see what he's doing. Like he's the one thing about Savage at this point as a commentator. <laughs> Is mm-hmm. he? He's like he's been told, like he's been given the instruction book. He's read the instruction book on how to commentate, and he's mm-hmm. he, and what he's doing is he is word for word, like reading the rules of the book. But the problem is that there is there is no there's nothing organic about it. You know, I, mm-hmm. do you know, what I, do you know what I mean? Like he's doing the right things, but he's doing them. In a in such a non-organic way, or in such a clumsy way, but he's doing them by the book, 
He's getting like he's he's shoehorning things in that should be there, but they don't feel comfortable. He thinks he has to fill silence by doing things yeah. by the book. Yeah, that's it. That's it. It's that desire to fill silence. And mm. I'm really glad that the commentators in general for WWE mm. these days don't feel so pressured to fill the silence. Well, it might help Jerry Lawler after a certain Akira Tozawa move if somebody just dove onto that grenade. Mm, I mean, there is that, <laughs> to be fair. But, but I mean, the silence after that was just like, it was like the stillness of night. <laughs> Just, did not bail him out one bit. They said, we're going to let anyway, you hang on that. That's, that's all yours, mate. But anyway, we get the Neidhart recliner, which works the leg. I mean, head and neck. Can we call it the Neidhart Recliner? I'm down with that. <laughs> Neidhart Recliner. Okay. So you, it's a camel clutch, but it's Neidhart making Bulldog humble. And Savage tells us, Holds like this make me glad I'm a broadcaster. <laughs> Has been smiles to himself. That's I've right. Broken him finally. You are. You are a broadcaster. <laughs> it's your birthright to be an announcer. This is why you're on this earth. <laughs> so Bulldog, in a moment that I truly did appreciate, after he fights out of the hole, makes the comeback. He gets the vertical suplex, but instead of doing the tr- a traditional Davy Boy delayed version. He just does a simple suplex because you know his leg is effed. And uh, had he held him up, it would have killed. Well, it would have ruined the heat because it, it would have showed that his leg was not injured. But alas, very true. D- during all this, during all this excitement, Bob Backlund arrives and distracts Brett. Why? What the, what, the, what the point of this is is not exactly clear. But while this is going on, Owen runs in for the DQ. Now, having seen a million distraction finishes in the last five years alone, yes, more than what you're thinking. What you're thinking is Backlund's going to come out and confront Brett, and the referee's going to get tied up by by barking at those two, causing Owen to run in and attack Davey and possibly screw him over so Nightheart can win. But no, Backlund was out to distract Brett, and Owen, to a modern eye. Jumps the gun severely and runs in, just hits Bulldog while the referee's still standing there, and we get a DQ finish. What a waste of everybody's time. It's it's almost like... I feel like I was punished for watching that match. I feel like <laughs> they've gone, hey, you know how much the Hearts and the Bulldogs, they had good matches? Well, we're going to take the crap one from both, and they're going to have a one-on-one. And I've gone, oh, that's a shame, but okay... I'll, I'll watch it. And they go, ah, you chose to watch it. You failed. You didn't even get a result at the end. We're just going to throw the match out. We're going to, we're just going to nullify everything. <laughs> thanks for the 17 minutes of your life, suckers. Oh, cheers. Thanks for that. That's great. I'm really valued as a fan. It's like an authority error role. <laughs> it, it's just... I, I genuinely wouldn't have been sad if, if Neidhart had stolen a win over Bulldog or if Bulldog had power-slammed his way through Neidhart. Neither happened. So it's just like, if you if you were at a point to let either guy lose, don't do the match. This is what, this is what bugs me. This is what bugs me. And, and modern wrestling's just as bad. Like, if you're not at a point where you want to put somebody in a position where they're going to lose... Like, Dexter Loomis on NXT. I think... I don't think he needed that long match and a loss yet. 
but they booked themselves into a position where they had to do it. But they didn't. They could have done a number of things. Like, if you don't feel like you're in a position to have two guys wrestle and have a definitive response or an answer or something that builds to something else, maybe, I don't know, then don't do it. Don't do it. I also think, right, and another thing, I also think this match was, was put together wrong because it was rest holds aplenty. I think this should have just been a Hoss fight and I'd have enjoyed it more. Just give it like six minutes of Night Art and Bulldog punching, fighting, scratching, clawing, throwing. That'd have been fine. And then if you do the DQ then, I've at least seen some some beastly Hoss action. But I just had like two blokes doing headlocks for 20 minutes and then a DQ. Wouldn't I just I just wouldn't have minded if it had been a six minute Hoss fight. Yeah, but you know, it's what it wasn't really that era where they really considered those things. They just saw it as a way to fill time. They had the two, what had the biggest match on the show in terms of star power go at least 10 minutes, even when they have a non finish, because you're keeping Nightheart <clears throat> strong for the house show run. And it's, uh, it was what it was. It's your typical 1994 Raw match without any mind paid to necessarily quality or whatever it's just it's it's there to push the future it future is funny of... how um how you say that oh it's they're they're just filling time like imagine when we get to like the the late noughties where we're filling three hours uh if we get that far uh, which we... I, I hope we do i mean i may be dead by then so it'll probably be my uh my son what could what could pablo do the intro that's what i was talking about my <laughs> pablo don't look at me like that, buddy. You're taking over this podcast. It is your birthright. <laughs> would Alex want to do the show? Um, she would. She'd be, she'd be far more... Uh, uh, what's the word I'm reaching for? Negative and angry about Raw at this point than I am. She would be less forgiving. Because <laughs> I watched this one with Alex in the room, and even Alex was like, why are they doing that? Why, what is that? Why is, why is he there? So it would be, it'd be, it would be an aggressive show. In fairness, I do, I do the same thing. <laughs> I know, but I've, I've got to be the light to the shade. So you'd, it'd just be shade and shade. We come to a, a vignette that may have inspired a song. I don't know. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. We'll find out later. You see, Tom, I don't know how well you know your American history. But at this point in 1994, Major League Baseball was in a serious pickle. Because the players' union had gone on strikes, they had been on strike since mid-August, and they had not come to a settlement yet with the owners. So thus, there are no baseball playoffs, and now there is no World Series. In 1994, no World Series was played, and baseball fans everywhere became very disillusioned with the sport. Something that would remain so until Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa, through the use of copious amounts of growth hormone, had a home run race that brought fans back to the stadiums. But until then, baseball was cooked. And, and basically, they were in the barrel for a lot of late-night TV show jokes and just a lot of disgust in the American public. Greedy athletes, greedy owners, F them all. So who decides to stick their thumb into the eye of Major League Baseball? But WBF chairman Vince McMahon. We get this charming little video, which, which Vince proceeds by saying, there's no one on strike in the WWF. It's because there's no union. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I was going to say, it's like, so, it's like somebody saying, well, we don't drink hot drinks in our house. No, because you don't have a kettle. Exactly. So <laughs> this video it shows the Sandlot baseball field. And there's a big sign out on the fence that says, no game today. And this kid's out there, he, and there's no one to play with because I guess, I guess all his neighborhood friends are on strike too. Or they've become so disillusioned with baseball that they can't bear to pick up a bat and go play outside. So this kid, he does the tear roll. He's sad there's no World, sad there's no World Series and no one's going to play baseball with him. Then Randy Savage shows up. And he says, come on, kid, let's hit a few grounders or whatever it was he said. <laughs> I think he just says, come on, kid, let's hit a few. Well, okay, like, yeah, that works too. And the voiceover, the World Wrestling Federation, our season never ends. And that's why there's going to be so many premature deaths. And anyway, he doesn't say that part, though. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't think he goes into that much detail. And so, um, so on the one hand, it's an okay ad because at this point, baseball deserved whatever it got in terms of ridicule. Because, I mean, you know, these million dollar athletes, it's like, get out there and play. You know, it, but at the same time, it's this comes off a little bit, a little bit ham-handed and a little bit bitter. On WWF, and speaking of bitterness towards sports, you may see. We'll wait till later in the show. <laughs> um, they actually tried the same vignette eight years later, but they only aired it one time in 2002 when there was a, when there was the threat of another strike in baseball, but they settled quickly that time. Oh, yes, I remember them doing this because it was I remember the vignette and it had Vincent Mann rolled on his window and go, oh, no, I'm thinking of I'm thinking of something completely different. But I do remember them doing something about it. 
Yeah, they tried some. It only aired once because, like, right after it aired, the, the players and the owners came to a settlement, and the end of the, and it saved the 2002 season. But yeah, they were going to try the same thing again because anything we could do to put our foot on somebody's neck in order to stand tall, we're going to do. But, you know, that's Vince for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, to be fair, we do the same thing on this show. <laughs> it's true. We are standing on their necks. You are standing on others' but, necks. But we're not billionaires. We're starving pseudo-artists. <laughs> Blink the Clown versus Barry Horowitz. Yay! It's wrestling's second favorite Barry. Behind Wyndham, I assume? Yes. And the shark. John Ted does not name Barry. <laughs> he was in my head. Nice to see Barry Horowitz here. Always good to see Barry Horowitz, and always happened to hear Vince plug a good movie, in this case, Ed Wood, because uh, George Animal Steel is going to be in it playing Tor Johnson. We've mentioned on the show before, but if you've never seen Ed Wood, you will love this movie. It is um, it is basically the disaster artist, but way funnier. It's very, very good. I, I can't so guess, recommend it enough. Hmm. So Doink almost neuters himself on a leapfrog. A little late on the jump, or Harwitz's head is too high, one or the other. Either way, it was a close call. Almost got de-doinked. <laughs> Harwitz, gets some, Harwitz gets some offense in here. While Vince goes off on this Lawler-Doink storyline, and in, in the most dramatic voice possible, Vince talks about how Jerry Lawler destroyed Dink's unicycle. He really sold this like it was a terrible thing. At this point, I'm watching ECW, and I'm and I'm watching Cactus Jack spit on a WWE World Tag Team title belt. I'm watching Sabu go through tables. I'm watching guys bleed. And I'm, I'm 10 years old, and I'm thinking, this is the coolest stuff in the world. And then I turn on Raw, and here's Vince talking about a unicycle destruction. Um, shattering. Involving a midget clown and an evil king. It is a very different world to the one what we grew up in. I'd like to point out right now that this is around the time period where I stopped watching Nickelodeon and started watching this Seinfeld and Married with Children a lot more. So you've grown up now. So you're, but, but the WWF clearly hasn't quite grown up as much as you have. No, we're going in opposite directions <laughs> at this point in time. I have really outgrown this stuff. <laughs> and it would take years before they would redress that balance. Like the one thing that to, to kind of to, to to correlate this with anything, it's the, the Harry Potter films and how the Harry Potter movies sort of grew up with the audience. They, they got edgier and darker as the audience mm-hmm. got smarter and, and more mature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's that cradle to the grave sort of thing where you try to where you grew up with a certain generation. And, um, but at the same time, you, I, I mean, at some point you do have to regress and start with someone and start with a new group of kids, understandably. But for people who, who, who want to feast on something that's more for their age group, that's where you lose some of the audience. And that's a big problem from this era here. It's very true. It's very true. So it's one so, so gets this nice power slam. And then he goes up top rope, and already I'm cringing because I know it's coming. We get the whoopee cushion with sound effect, and Vince sells it. Vince and Savage are offenders here, who both sell it like Doik farted on impact. And it was a clearly a sound effect. 
If it's like, oh, excuse me. <laughs> Never forget that this man three months earlier was on trial for steroid distribution. <laughs> what? What? How different? What a difference just a, a few short weeks make. Jeez. Yeah, this is. And you know, <laughs> and there was a line that was chucked in here that that made me die a bit, where he said, "Leslie Nielsen would be proud." Well, actually, I I was annoyed by that at first too. But I remember reading stories that Leslie Nielsen on, on film sets would have a whoopee cushion on his person and would like um, either annoy or amuse people with it. Ah, so, that makes sense. So now. it's possible. So it's possible he may have had it backstage with him at um at SummerSlam. Right. See, uh, in my head, this is what the company's done to me. In my head, they were like, oh, that's great comedy. Leslie Nielsen knows great comedy. <laughs> He'll appreciate that. That was what I thought they were going for. Yeah, I, I thought that too, but, that, but, but then I remember that little anecdote. And it, it's certainly possible, but... Uh, it's... it's uh, it, it, Either way, at this point, just a mere mention of Leslie Nielsen is like PTSD. Yeah, I'd rather they just never mention it again and just and just assume it never happened. Yeah, like a childhood trauma. You'd, uh, yes. Pretend that it never happened. Mm-hmm. As it should be. But anyway. Uh, speaking of trauma, we go to The Undertaker and Paul Bearer. And they're, plug- and they're threatening Yokozuna with death on the heart attack tour, which we'll get to that in a moment. <laughs> Paul Bear in in the shrillest voice possible, and for him this is saying something. Says, "The essence of the Undertaker has returned, and you pay. You've done it now. You've gotten me a big mistake, and I can't Imagine allow Paul... you to think you could just walk away." John, I want Undertaker on his on his American badass motorcycle with Paul Bear on a sidecar. Yes. It is the it is the fate accompli of wrestling photoshoppers. Make it happen, John Eiley, and happy birthday. <laughs> You're gonna pray. You're gonna pray. Dan, Dan, Dan. Anyway, Amazing. so the camera's inside the casket. Taker closes the casket lid because it's Taker versus Yokozuna around the horn on the Heart Attack tour. Now I'm gonna pull up the Heart Attack tour here and look at some of the uh, some of the dates here. Oh, by the way, Todd was on this show because he, he did a voiceover, and he and he and he annoyed me, so I had to bring it up. Because <laughs> he he mentions Louisville as Todd makes a horrible Louisville Cardinals joke, and he, and he even says he even goes get it at one point just to make sure that we understood that he was joshing us. <laughs> so we're in Louisville, Nashville, Tampa, Sunrise, Florida, Baltimore, Landover, and Hershey, PA, which I have been to before, and is a very nice town. So I'm gonna pull up some of the um, some of these dates here, and we're gonna see what the attendances were for this massive heart attack tour that has been plugged. Now Louisville and Nashville don't have attendances listed here, but Tampa, Florida, at the Sundome, which was the home of the 1995 Royal Rumble. Tommy, what would you guess the attendance might be if you just had to venture a number? Uh, for the heart attack tour. Um, it's in the toilet at the moment. I reckon, at a push, uh, eleven eleven hundred. Yeah, you really um undersold. Actually, it's forty five hundred. Oh wow! Okay, I, I'm I'm happy to be wrong on that one. 
The next night in Sunrise, Florida, and I have an anecdote for this one here. Oh. Sunrise, I, b- I believe, is near Miami. I could be wrong. What would you? Um, I'll, I'll just. Uh, no, let me have a guess. 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 Um, okay. 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 Florida is a fair hot spot for the wrestle, so I'm gonna say 4,700. This one, you should have reversed them. This one is 1,300. Oh, let's. Oh, I thought Florida might be all right overall. Now, for, now for this show, something caught my eye here that I never knew about, and I'm like, that's got to be a misprint. That can't be right. But then I look, I looked into next week's Observer issue, and I discovered, or actually two weeks from now, the Observer issues, and I discovered that this is in fact what happened in the opening match of this show. Bob Holly, Bob Sparkplug Holly. Defeated in what may be his only WF match ever, Scott Norton. Wow. Norton on the payroll for the WF? I'm like, that. He, that's got to be like, a, it's got to be Scott somebody else, maybe maybe a Graham Colthon on the site here, just put the wrong name down. But no, here's the anecdote. Scott Norton worked a show on October 9th in Sunrise, Florida, doing a job in the opener to Bob Holly. Think about this. Here's a guy who they wouldn't use... Who wouldn't you? Who they wouldn't use in small Oregon indies because he wouldn't put anyone over in front of like fifty or hundred fans, so they wouldn't do programs with him. Here's a guy who held up WCW and ended up walking out because he wouldn't put Sting over on a pay per view. Jeez. Here's a guy who just a few weeks back wouldn't put Masa Chono over clean, and they had to do a DQ, <laughs> which is totally unacceptable to the fans there. And now he puts Bob Holly over in an opener. He must want the job pretty badly, which would be another blow to New Japan that has virtually no foreign talent in the heavyweight division. <laughs> That's incredible. Yes, he would not lose this thing at Slambury 93. So the weekend of, he was replaced by the prisoner, a.k.a. Nails. Oh, this is where the prisoner popped up. Uh-huh, because, because Scott Norton wouldn't do the J-O-B on the PPV. So after that, Baltimore, 5,000. Landover, 3,800. And Hershey P's attendance is not listed. But that was the one show that Norton worked in that loop. And I, I didn't know about it until now, or until I watched this show and took notes. So now we come to what could be the highlight of the show, actually. The King's Court with Yokozuna, Mr. Fuji, and Jim Cornette. Now, now, Jerry Lawler, we, we, we get on his case quite a bit. He did come out with a good line at the start of this. Let's give the devil his due. And which line was that again? It was the one where he was making fun of Doink and Dink and saying, I, I can't get behind people who dress up in ridiculous costumes just to try and get attention. Who does that? He says, whilst dressed in his full king regalia. It was a lovely, subtle line that I very much enjoyed. It was very similar to um, when Jericho yelled at MJF last fall. It's like, like, what kind of idiot wears a scarf? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> the unaware heel is always funny. So he brings out Yokozuna, Cornette, and Fuji. And, and I got to ask just to bring it down for a moment. Who did you feel worse for on the own dark side of the ring? Lawler when you realized just how like ghastly wooden he was when he came back from attending the Owen in the ring? Or Cornette when he broke down. Um, I think Lawler. 
I think Lawler. I think the worst, actually, I felt was for Jim Ross when he talked about oh, yes. know, the Kevin Dunn thing in Ke- Kevin Dunn in his ear. And Jim Ross says, "What's give us give us an update on?" So this is from Dark Side of the Ring, where Jim Ross recants that night. Mm. And Jim <clears> Ross says, "Kevin, can we get an update on Owen Hart?" And Kevin Dunn says, <clears throat> "Owen's dead. Coming back in ten, nine. Like what? That bit made me sick. Uh, that bit made me sick. I mean, I, I mean, I mean, I've oh, heard... I can't, I can't get my head around the lack of the 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 the, the lack of emotional connection you have to have." in order to deliver that kind of information in that kind of way. Yeah, it's pretty rough. And when I woke up on Wednesday morning, uh, mid-morning, I, I realized uh, Kevin Dunn was still the top trend on Twitter, and I'm like, well, that's not a good look. Mm. Might have uh, pilled the audience here toward how this company might be run. <laughs> might uh, turn a few people off, I don't know. Oh, quite possibly, quite possibly. So, um... So Laura's going on a, a bit with the jokes, and Vince is like, all right, hurried along. And he says it several times. He's, like, really impatient during this segment. And this is, like, either he's ribbing Lawler or Lawler's was stalling and Vince is taking it out on the commentary. God, he would hate this show with how we stall. <laughs> so you see, Yokozuna's not afraid of Undertaker, according to, according to Corny. And Undertaker and, and, keeps trying to use, the, you know, this uh, smoke and mirrors and all this uh, – all this ghoulishness to try and get Yoko's goat, but it's not going to work. It's at this point during this very serious angle that Vince wishes Chubby Checker a happy birthday. Yeah, because that's really on brand with your audience, isn't it? Chubby Checker. <laughs> like, you've made childish jokes about Dick's trike being destroyed, and then you're going, oh, it's Chubby Checker's birthday. How is it Dick's strike? I'm like, what? I'm like, what Dick's strike? Is, uh, is Nakamura back? <laughs> but anyway, I, I gotta say, Yokozuna has this wonderful kimono on. It's got his face as part of the um, part of the design, but the word sale, S-A-L-E, in different parts on it. And I have no idea what that means in regards to – in the context of this kimono. I have – I was baffled. Yeah. Um, it was I, – I saw that. I thought that was very strange as to why it says sale on the back. Was it a, like, was I it get, a joke? <laughs> Um, I have no idea. It's. Uh, I will say it looks comfy though. Very like, much so. <laughs> if, if they were in my size, I, if they were in my size, I'd wear it around the house for sure. <laughs> exactly. If it's comfy, it looks, it looks very comfy. I'll even wear yoga because I'm, I'm sure it's like a blanket. It's like a snuggie. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Cornette claims that Taker is scared of Yoko. He tries to make that accusation, but then we learned that Yoko is still afraid of the word casket. And now we're back to this again from 10 months ago. Lola keeps saying the word casket by accident. And uh, Yoko tenses up, huh? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Gordon's like, don't use that word. He kind of has a phobia. That's, we, we call it the big box. We'll just call it that. <laughs> Lola keeps accidentally saying casket. And Yoko just wide eyed, whoa, whoa, whoa. I got to say, Gordon's going on a rant at one point. And Lawler has to actually bite his lip and look the other way because Cornette is just so naturally funny that even a pro like Lawler almost corpses on camera. It was pretty funny. So Yoko's had enough of everything, and he just rubs his sweat on the lens for some reason, and now it's all nice and foggy. The 
the camera shot of all four of them in the ring. Look nice, look like Oprah Winfrey's camera. <laughs> the unfocused camera they put on Barbara Walters. <laughs> Every time they cut to her, it's a slightly softer camera. We know what you're doing. <laughs> it's like a dream sequence. <laughs> So the segment funny ends. We've established that Yoko is still afraid of the caskets. And Vince is awful excited to hear someone gasp for their last breath in a casket match. Savage constantly shouting, casket, 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 throughout this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like, like, only got like Beavis saying fire. <laughs> only got fire, 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 fire. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, um, it's 1994. It's 1994. So we learned that it's Luger versus Bam Bam next week. Okay, that could be semi-promising. And then <laughs> I forgot about this next thing. I mean, I, I, I forgot that it existed in 94, but remember what you were saying about the action zone and how it was the counter to the NFL's pregame shows because they were taking ratings away from all American wrestling. That's it. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> Vince McMahon ever n- known for his subtle s- sense of humor hits back at them with his Action Zone ad that makes fun of the NFL pregame shows. So we have a guy, this big, chunky guy with a mustache and a cigar in his mouth, named Mike Zitka, which for those of you who know, who know nothing about football, that is a parody of former Chicago Bears coach Mike Ditka, who had become a regular talking head on these morning shows. But they had to call him Zitka in order to make fun of him. And he got acne, I doubt Bears. <laughs> yes, the old Saturday Night Live uh, Bears fans uh, sketches were about the level of college Ditka. So what's the score going to be? I'm going to say Bears 142, Cowboys negative seven. That's not going to be ain't going to be that close. Nah, it's just a halftime score. <laughs> anyway, so not, so not only is Mike Zitka in this ad, but we have Greg Gumball, a parody of Greg Gumball, and Zeon Danders which is obviously Deion Sanders. And, there's a, and, and they're parroting the banality and inanity of these incessantly long pregame shows, which I'll give them that. The shows do sometimes stretch for uh, content to fill an hour. And and if you miss them, you really miss nothing. But it's how bitter do you have to be mm-hmm. to run this ad? This is very... But do you know what? It's on brand for Vince. This is on brand for Vince. Just just yeah. digging on other sports that aren't resting for whatever reason. I mean, I, to be honest, as you say, with knowing Vince for who he is, to run a an action-packed, as you say, wrestling show up against a sport analysis show, yeah, I get it. I get the mindset. I really do. And then just sort of uh, pushing the, pushing the uh, elbow right into the ribs by making this advert up. <laughs> Totally just brings the brings it home. This is on brand for Vince. I'm not even mad anymore. <laughs> I suppose now would be a good time to point out that WWF no longer ran Sunday morning shows as of 2001. Whereas NFL pregame shows have still been on the, are still on to this day, including the Fox pregame show that still has three of the original four people <laughs> on its panel 20, 26 years later. That's that's it. That's it. It says it all, doesn't it? Surprised we didn't have terrible Bradshaw on here, or whoever else. <laughs> Unless you could come up with, um, I don't know, Jim Limpley instead of Jim Lampley. I don't know. Anyway, Lundra Blaze and Heidi Lee Morgan versus Bull Nakano and Luna Vachon. 
this was almost a good match. They tried really hard, but there was a, a few clunky moments in here. See, I thought this was probably the best match of the night. Considering what's well, on tonight, it isn't saying a lot. By default. Yeah. <laughs> it was a... Uh, it was enjoyable, but there's some spots where it's just like, oh, that was a little off. Uh, so was that. And so on and so forth. And I'm, I'm wondering, is this the first Luna match we've seen on Raw? I, it is, yes. Like, we, we've we've seen that have, like, pull-apart brawls with Sherry and, and Alundra Blaze, mm. but we've not seen her actually in the ring wrestling. Yeah, she's, um, I mean, she's gotten physically active, definitely. But th- but, th- but this is her first match proper, I believe. It is indeed, yes. We get some nice spots. Heidi Lee Morgan gets a nice double leg takedown into like an amateur style bridge. Gets two off of that. Morgan gets beat on for a while while Savage goes on a Buddy Ryan tirade. That's more football stuff because they're trying to, you know, we're not bitter, we're not bitter, and yet they, you know, keep harping on it. So Morgan gets this step up victory roll on the Kano for two. And this is where Savage admits that – oh, boy, th- this part. Savage admits he's attracted to the Bull Nakano. And <laughs> okay. Okay. That, that, that's a little random, but okay. And Vince rebukes him for it. Not for being unprofessional, like, like you can't date a co-worker, but in the sense of, oh, come on. She's a hideous. Look at her. <laughs> it's like – so the Connor's gimmick is that she's ugly, according to Vince. Yeah, that's a it, that's that's a bit old hat. It's a shame because like the the in terms of everything else about this match, it does it feels it feels progressive. It's it's a a tag team match with uh, multiple people, and just the odd line like that just kind of brings it back down again. Yeah, it's uh, and I think um, photos without makeup have shown Bull to actually be a very beautiful woman. But Vince, but they're insistent on pushing the fact that this gargantuan heavyweight woman's wrestler has to be ugly because she's not a traditional blonde uh, debutante. <laughs> and it's um, it's a really weird thing that they put out there. It's like if a fan thinks Bull's attractive, they could think Bull's attractive. Then the voice company telling you like, oh, you'd have to be an idiot to find this woman attractive. <laughs> yeah, I didn't like that line. It's. <laughs> But it's, as you would say, it is on brand. On brand. Very on brand for Vincent Man. The match itself, you seemed a bit down on it, but I really enjoyed it. I once again want to give top marks to your friend from round the corner, Heidi Lee Morgan, who had an absolute blinder in this. Yeah, she has very underrated athleticism, as demonstrated on the moves I've mentioned. But, I mean, there were clunky moments in the match, which, okay, they, they happen, which... There's a spot with that come over here where Luna, Luna whips on a clothesline. She goes like like six feet over someone's head, and Vince actually does make me laugh at going a clothesline of sorts. A, All right, a kind of clothesline thing. <laughs> a kind of line. So there's a spot where Morgan misses a splash on Luna, <laughs> but see, right, here's what happened. Morgan's getting ready to go for the hot tag, the Alundra Blaze. Now, Luna's, like, in her way, laying down horizontally, but perpendicular to where Morgan is standing. Morgan is kind of torn between doing a move to Luna or diving over her for the hot tag. So she found a way to do both at the same time. (laughs) 
She went for a splash, but overshot Luna in spite of the fact that her feet were about four inches from Luna's arm. So she jumps over Luna. It's like the worst collision detection for a video game you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> she lands on her abdomen and then just jumps up and makes a tag. It's like she tried to do two things and got confused and then did that. <laughs> so Blaze is a house of fire. She kind of whips on a hair drag. Bull does the um, monster spot where she suplexes two opponents at the same time. And Vince reminds us, she's not pretty, but she is strong. It's again that, that that comment of like, oh, she's not pretty. I say, well, they need to talk on that sort of thing. Yeah, he's installing the glass ceiling as low as he possibly can mm-hmm. over her porcupine hair. Mm-hmm. So, so Morgan keeps running in to help out because I guess this is Lucha rules now. And then Blaze pins Vashon with, with an awesome bridging German suplex. And I think Alundra Blaze is made of elastic. She really is. She was that 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 suplex was a beautiful finish, beautifully done. I ragged on the match going in. It, like I said it wasn't terrible, but there was just a few clunky moments. That it wasn't smooth, but it was enjoyable enough. Yeah. So it was fine. It was best thing on the show, as you've indicated. Well, best thing up until now. Oh, you're right. <gasps> How could I forget? Here's King Kong Bundy stomping through New York City. <laughs> oh, now, last week I made I made King Kong Bundy's uh, vignette promo video, the album art for the podcast. And I ain't going to lie, I've done it again this week. Because the image of King Kong Bundy, green screen, scaling up the Empire State Building and swatting away planes is just so early 90s it actually hurts well it's I enjoyed it for what it was I loved it I loved I it mean, I loved it if you're going to be cheesy be cheesy yeah you go hard or you so go yes. home so all Bundy was missing was the girl in his hand which I like to imagine he grabbed the con of it's like no pick an attractive woman <laughs> <laughs> the sad thing is is that they're billing King Kong Bundy as this, this giant and it's at this point where I go John, Photoshop King Kong Bundy climbing up the Empire State Building but I don't need to because they've done it for us this week <laughs> yeah they've uh, they've taken the work out of it for us because uh, obviously WWF knew it was John Eilish's birthday and they went we're going to give him less to do but no but not to worry, we've given him plenty to do. We have done, indeed. Uh, exci- how excited are you about the return of Bundy next week? Well, i got to stick up for my fellow Jersey people here. I'm very happy to see Bundy again. And uh, even though this is this is far from his golden run, I'm always happy to see King Kong Bundy around. I think as long always, as he's... I'll, uh, I'll tell you what. Oh, go on. Let's see. A very underrated promo, if you watch his stuff with Bobby Heenan. He knew how to sell himself. Okay. But go on. I was going to say that um, I, I'm intrigued to see how well he fits, if at all, into the new generation. Well, spoiler, not very well. <laughs> Either way, he's back next week. Uh, go out your way to see King Kong Bundy ascending the Empire State Building using a green screen. I bet they had fun on the day they filmed this. 
in a small coincidence, I, I haven't seen that new generation ad anymore with um, all the old guys and, and the grayed out background compared to the new generation guys. Well, it's almost like they've realized they've and... got so many old boys still on the books. It's probably best not to highlight the fact that they are all young. Oh, probably. I like to think that if Hogan called next day and says, hey, I'll come back, and they're like, all right, scrap the ad, Hulk's coming back. It's true. So we get the ad from the, uh, it's that church commercial with that, with that lustful woman in the confessional. She's so turned on by Razor and Sean, but definitely not Bull Nakano. <laughs> oh, no. Get her off my screen. This should happen next week, where it's, where it's like a guy says, "Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. I have had impure thoughts about Bonacano." <laughs> and the next scene is just him being, it's just him being, having like you know shock aversion therapy or something. <laughs> We're just trying to fix him from his, like, like, all right, we won't tell anybody about this, but you know, you should probably lay low for a while, because because you know you're obviously insane. I'm sorry, I went off on a tangent there. That's okay, mate. Come, welcome back. <laughs> So we have footage of Bob Backlund losing the belt in 83 to the Iron Sheik. Always happy to see Sheiky Baby on Raw, even in archive form. Of course, the towel was thrown in for surrender because Backlund had an injured neck and was hopelessly entrenched in the camel clutch. So Arnold Scotland threw in a towel on his behalf. Thus surrendering the belt after a six-year or four-year run, depending on which version of history you uh, ascribe to. And... uh Perhaps Arnold Skull will be dropping in very soon. Ooh, that's a hot tease. You know, the real star of the uh, Pile Driver video, Arnold Skull. What was he doing in the video? Uh, he went into the, um... What are those outdoor bathrooms called again? Outhouses. No, not outhouses, but like, like a porta potty a, or a porta john. Okay. He went, he went into that with a dirty magazine while smoking a cigar. <laughs> oh, that was him, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Bob Backlund versus Gary Scott. I had a realization while Backlund was entering the ring and with Themis Clarity's walking around with a placard that she and him both ran for office in the state of Connecticut at different points. Oh, God, they did, didn't they? Yes, Backlund ran, I think, for, was it for Senate or Congress in 2000? Whereas she's been a, a congresswoman since 1998 in that state. Oh, man. Stuff like that just makes me smile. Like, I love the fact that they were the two two very different sides of the track on this episode of Raw, uh, both going for the same job. How did Bob Backlund not get elected? I know, right? I think he'd be oh. incredible. He should run for many different offices. I'd vote for him. I don't, I don't care what party he is. Tell you what I, I like. What his views are. Just... Tell you what I like with this, yep. away from the political side of it, is like how we are getting the two sides of Bob Backlund every week and like and, the, and as he walks out to the ring we see the one side where he kind of like does that sort of jog to the ring the crowd are booing him but he's smiling and he's waving he's giving it all this he's great and then the bell rings and things change yeah he was like whale of mercy before whale of mercy mm -hmm. <laughs> vince wonders aloud if that if, if the towel around backwards neck is part of his um entrance wardrobe is that same towel from 1983 that was thrown in to surrender his belt. Ooh. Nice little touch there. I'll give him that. Nice. The Backlund is still possibly bitter and keeps that towel as a reminder of that fateful day, the day after Christmas of 83, when what was his was lost. So we get an arm drag. Backlund does the happy Backlund dance that I love so much. 
if you can't smile at the happy backland dance, then you have no soul. All is dead. So Gary Scott gets a takedown on Backlund, and he works the crowd. He's out wrestling Bob. And then we get something that vaguely resembles MMA. Scott rides Backlund on the back. He gets the double hook in where he gets both legs in front of Backlund's legs. But Backlund maneuvers out of it to reverse, gets a toe hold. Scott is somewhat entrenched in his hold. He's in pain. And then Backlund pulls him up. Uh, I believe a swing was missed. Shikoing applied. Scott submits before the body scissors is even applied. Backlund snaps, keeps the hold applied, wrenches him a bit, breaks the hold and stares at his hands again. Then Bob makes sure Scott is the Scott's okay. Then and then jogs around the ring, and then he leaves. <laughs> he was wild. That was the second best match of the show. He was wild at this point. Bob Backlund is fantastic. Now I'd say now here's the thing that that nearly ruined this for me a little bit. Well, it didn't ruin it for me because Bob Backlund was brilliant. Like the whole like mental gear shift of Backlund, nice and jolly coming out, uh, goes a little bit, gets a little bit angry when things aren't going his way in the match, uh, and then just refuses to let go of the the chicken wing at the very end. And then we get to the the bit at the end where just as he's let go. Savage is talking on commentary and it, it takes away from what is currently happening in the ring. That's which is what really frustrates me is because as Savage as, as Backlund is finally pulled away, Savage is on commentary and he's dropping in some sort of some, some modern news bit. Like he feels like he's right to do, but it just doesn't fit in what is happening where Savage is talking about, Oh God! What was he even talking about? It was just some weird topical nonsense. That uh, here we go. It was he was talking about somebody being the, the new Supreme Court, uh, new Justice Stephen Breyer, and he's trying to relate it to what's happening with Backland. But it's all you're doing is 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 dumbing down the cool thing that's happening with Backland by trying to make it topical. Don't you see what's going on here, Tom? I don't. Savage has tried to impress Vince by playing his game, but he can't even do that right. Oh, no. And that, I think, was the silver bullet. That, I think, was the final nail. This is where Savage is trying to to nail this commentary thing, and by trying too hard, he's actually got a bit worse. And that's the realization that I can't win here. I have to start fresh. I need a new lease on life. That's it. I'll go to the AWA wave. <laughs> it's like, all right, Hawk, and I know we don't like each other, but we can make money again. So how's about I bring my Slim Jim money to Uncle Ted down here and I start fresh? Because in – we have four shows left with Randy Savage on commentary. Oh, man. And, and then he vanishes. Does that mean I have to change the intro? Keep Randy in for a little bit because we know we don't ascribe to Vince's uh, view of reality. That's true. We'll keep him in for a bit longer. But speaking of Vince's view of reality, I think now might be a good time to uh, play a little song to kind of sum up one part of of this week's show. And uh, if you're a fan of The Simpsons and you love the classic Simpsons, like season three Simpsons, perhaps a certain – a certain Simpsons that involves some Major League Baseball players. You might have heard this song before. 
or at least a version of it. We go now to our our wonderful friend, our treacherous troubadour, as you were, not Elias, this guy, our pal Strummerwitz, who is going to uh, sing about wrestling, albeit in a very, shall we say, American pastime kind of way. And not only is Strummerwitz on this song, but so is his sister, Sydney. Enjoy. The strike, it annoys us With British bulldogs shouting all the while Doink the clowns, whoopee cushion reeks a pile Only a month of the macho man quits in style We're talking wrestling And B-Town's like Poughkeepsie talking wrestling Duke Druzy and the Anvil Lex Luger's guy wrestles for us all Samu and the fish she's eating wrong We're talking diesel McMahon thinks he can draw We're talking wrestling And B-Town's like Poughkeepsie Talking wrestling Duke Juicy and the end Lex Luger's got wrestles for us all Samu and the fish she's eating wrong We're talking diesel McMahon thinks he can draw wrestling. See, it's catchy. Oh. See, we didn't get enough Simpsons references in this week. So I'm glad that we've got it covered in song form. Isn't it wonderful that the next generation of people after us appreciate old Simpsons? Thank goodness they do, because somebody has to. But uh, the old generation is opposed to the new. It's got to be part of, it's got to be part of like part of the lexicon forever, I think. I think it certainly will. So that's Raw for this week, then. Yes, next week we have Bam Bam versus Luger. And at the very end of the show, we actually have Brett commenting on the on his conversation with Backlund earlier in the night. It's, it's, it's just Brett backstage. He talks about how uh, he says there's a dozen guys who've earned title shots before Backlund. I want Brett to name them. <laughs> Virgil. Neidhart. Um, Scott Norton. One, two, three, kid. <laughs> <laughs> Savage. As Vince goes, cut, cut him off right now. <laughs> Bordacano. She's too ugly. Um... For her face. <laughs> Nakano. Nakano. <laughs> At last, you've got a push. Anyway. But fret not. Backland and Brett is coming. <laughs> whether, you, whether he wants it or not. <laughs> Vince calls Brett to... <laughs> The fightingest champion ever, and some say the greatest. But apparently not Vince. Oh, when some say, that normally means I don't agree. <laughs> some would say that I shouldn't own the company anymore. <laughs> some would say that I shouldn't be running Raw. Some would say that. I should let Savage <laughs> wrestle. <laughs> some would say I should have been found guilty. <laughs> But yes, that that was this week's show, in which Bulldog versus versus Nightheart was the worst match of the four. 
Oh, man. It sucks. But you know what doesn't suck? You for sticking it out this long for another week. Until next time, we are together. He is at JRH Writing. I am at Tom Campbell. Together, we are at Cultaholic on Twitter. Don't forget to join us. <gasps> Put a dot over Nakano. Love you, bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 